This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Great to have you here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you learning ways to save more and spend less. And don't let anyone ever rip you off. If you are someone who uses iPhone or you're thinking of switching from Android to iPhone, don't buy an iPhone over the next many weeks. Because Apple and the phones that they're preparing to launch later this fall in October are going to have pretty much a lineup of 5G phones. And they're going to make, initially, according to Bloomberg, 75 million 5G iPhones. And that means that if you buy a new iPhone right now, you're paying top dollar for something that as the three big cell phone carriers migrate their networks to 5G, you're going to be uh, suffering having a very expensive phone that won't operate on the new 5G networks. Apple users tend to hold their phones for a longer period of time, and it would be a risky venture for you to lay out money. Now, if you live in an area where you don't really care about reception because the reception you have is just fine the speed of the network just fine wait till the new 5g iphones come out and the value of used iphones will be much much lower because a lot of people want the latest greatest when apple has an inflection point and the new 5g iphones will be an inflection point and so you'll be able to find people's used now unloved iPhones at a lower price than they would have been before. And so I strongly recommend waiting. Now, what's significant about this is a lot of Android manufacturers have been making 5G phones since last year. But in the United States, Apple is so important in terms of a brand that most Americans have not paid attention to the build-outs of these 5G networks uh, until Apple says it's important, and Apple next month is saying it's important, and people will gravitate. Apple's sales of iPhones have declined, I think it's four or five years in a row. The introduction of the 5G phones means that iPhones are going to sell lights out. They're going to sell unbelievable numbers of iPhones is people decide this is an upgrade worth having. Now, I've been on 5G since last year, and 5G is a work in progress. The coverage, much more extensive than it was when I got a 5G phone last year, and now it started to make a big difference. I'm the only Android user in the house, and the iPhone users keep complaining about network 
And I'm like, what are you complaining about? The network's unreal with the 5G because the 5G, as I explained to you recently, comes in three flavors, one for very targeted, uh, densely populated urban areas that's ultra fast, then a second one that is for urban and suburban areas that's a lot faster than 4G, but not lightning fast, and then a third flavor of 5G that gives much better blanket coverage of rural America. There's a big value and reason to go to 5G, and there will only be more reasons, particularly as we move over the next year. A lot of Android 5G phones now are in the 400s. The iPhones are likely to be a lot more money, but there will almost certainly be an SE version of a 5G, although I have not seen anything confirming that, that will be an affordable choice to go to 5G. It's time for your questions for me that you posted for me at clark.com slash ask. Producers Kim and Joel alternate. And Kim, who do you start with right now? This is from Lynette in Florida. And Lynette says, I've had both my homeowners and auto insurance policies with the same provider for decades. My auto insurance policy started in 1988 and my homeowner's insurance policy in 2002. Because I live in Central Florida, I've been hesitant to reshop my auto insurance policy for fear that my provider would drop my homeowner's coverage if I left them. We face the possibility of hurricanes almost every year now, and I'm very concerned about trying to purchase a different homeowner's insurance policy and whether or not a new company would even take me. So I'm with you. All the stuff I talk about, about shopping, auto and homeowner's insurance, all the things I say, all the ways you make that decision, none of those apply for residents of the state of Florida because Florida's homeowner's insurance market is broken because of the increasing the prevalence of dangerous storms because of rising sea temperatures. And so it has become almost an uncalculable uncalculable risk say that three times for homeowners insurance companies that's why uh, Florida homeowners insurance is something that if you have it from a company you've been with for 18 years don't put that at risk stay with what you've got for auto and homeowners insurance because if you lose that being grandfathered in with that company you don't have good odds of being able to get with a good company, again, for homeowners coverage. Joel? Clark Marcy in Alabama says, I've got a Clark doesn't stink. <laughs> I took Clark's advice to add my kids as authorized users to my USAA credit card, but I never gave them the cards. And then when my oldest daughter turned 18 last week, we signed her up for Credit Karma, and that card shows up as seven years of credit history, and she's got a 770 credit score with just that one card. So thank you so much, Clark, for that recommendation. Well, that is great, and now I want her to apply for her own credit card. If she's a college student, apply for one of the college student cards. If she's not a college student, she can apply for one as a, as a worker and be able to qualify for a card based on having that seven years of solid credit history and be able to get her first card of her own in her own name. That's a great thing to hear about. Kim? 
Avram in Alaska says, our 21-year-old daughter just opened her Roth IRA, and in addition to the Roth, she still has more funds that she'd like to invest. She's in her fourth year of college with no debt. She has a good job and has savings, and she wants to invest 10K or more somewhere. To me, the Apple stock looks so good, and they recently did a stock split. Is this something that a 21-year-old should consider? It's a wonderful question, and in the Robinhood generation, if you're not familiar with the Robinhood app, a lot of very young people who are new to investing have been buying individual stocks, and the two most popular, as best I know, have been Tesla and Apple, which are two of the best-performing stocks in the world, partially because the big focus by individual investors in buying them. Now, I am not somebody who's big into buying individual stocks. It's not my thing. And I am a huge believer in most of what someone does being in widely diversified funds where you own little pieces of thousands of companies instead of putting money on just one. That If you put $10,000 into Apple stock, is a single stock that has had a huge run-up, you face that Apple and Tesla and other technology stocks, for that matter, are priced for perfection. Life typically doesn't offer perfection to us, so it is a higher risk with the potential for long-time nice reward, but there is risk in buying individual stocks. I would like if she wants to buy some Apple stock, buy that, but that only be a portion of what she does with the $10,000. I'd like most of it to be in a widely diversified index fund like the Fidelity Zero Total Stock Market Fund or a combination of that with the Fidelity Zero International uh, Fund uh, Index Fund. And that way you own wide the wide investing community in addition to focusing on an individual stock or two or three or whatever. Joel? Ken in North Carolina says, I'm looking to buy a rental home property. Given the current COVID crisis, should I wait three to six months for other opportunities to arise? Or should I be looking now? I'd be a first-time rental property investor, and I've worked all aspects of construction over the last 30 years. This is a very hard time to buy rental property because the housing market has been intensely strong for uh, most price points of housing. A lot of real estate professionals talk about how it's the strongest market they can remember with a lot of houses having multiple offers. Joel, you yourself have five rental properties and you're on the sidelines right now because nothing meets your financial formula for buying a property. Is that still true? That's still true. So the if you go with a standard industry formula, one that Joel uses and many other people do, you have to be able to charge rents equal to 1% or more the purchase price of a property. It's very hard with how home prices have moved up to hit that formulation right now. And so Waiting for the market to cool a little is probably a better idea so that the price points get more in line. Kim? 
This is from Kim in Missouri, and Kim says, I decided to buy my leased car. The lease was set to end on August 5th. I was proactive and sent in a final buyout check on July 14th. My check shows as being received and my account shows as closed. However, I have yet to receive any electronic, verbal, or written correspondence from them since this transaction. My plates expire in a few days, and I have no bill of sale to provide if I get pulled over by an officer. I might even have to pay a penalty for not registering my vehicle on time. I've called them twice this month, and they just tell me that they're very behind due to COVID, but that they'll share my request and my concerns with their title department. What should I do? Uh, and Kim, do we know from the post of the question, is this a bank's leasing department or an automaker's leasing department? Automakers. Okay, that's where the problems have very heavily been in getting these titles released. So I would go back to the dealer where the original lease was done and see the dealer will have what's known as a factory zone rep. And let's see if the dealer cannot advocate for you and help shake that title loose for you. The other thing is to talk with your state Department of Motor Vehicles that's also heard this story you're talking about from other people and find out if they have any remediation policy available for people who are affected in this era of coronavirus. If you run into all dead ends, please let us know and let's see if we have any other ideas to help you. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Evan is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Evan, you are a savings maniac, aren't you? I like to save a little bit. (laughs) So you've got a goal of buying a house. How can I be of help with that? I want to make sure that when I do buy one that it's on a 15-year mortgage. I want to get out from under it as quick as possible because I really don't like holding debt. But at the same time, I want the payment to be really affordable just in case anything were to happen with work because, you know, things are uncertain now and they've been uncertain before. And so if I were to lose my job or something, I want to make sure that I can still make payments. So I've kind of come to the conclusion that I'd want the mortgage to be around 900 a month on a 15 year. Um, And running the numbers, it'd be like $130,000 total for the mortgage. Um, But houses around where I live are anywhere from 270 to 300,000 dollars so right now i'm saving up in a high yield savings account but it's it's gonna be a while i feel like before i get to the point where i can get to that 130,000 dollars mortgage but how many years would it take you to save what's like we're talking like 150,000 dollars how many years would it take you to save 150 grand i think it would take me about six or seven years all right, I want to tell you, I'm very, very impressed. And this is how people used to do things, very rare today. Um, I, I think you could also cut yourself a little slack and look at how much you could afford to take a mortgage out if you did a 20-year mortgage 
instead of a 15-year mortgage. I mean, that would be mm-hmm. still a very reasonable window, and it would afford you a quicker window for you to be able to buy a home and still have a huge amount of down payment and have a payment per month that would fit your 900 or so a month. Now, with uh, savings rates as low as they are on the high-yield accounts, do you think it's worth opening like a brokerage account and, and trying to invest in that? Because I still feel like it's probably four or five years out maybe before I buy. Yeah, you know, my general rule is when you look at an investment window like that, there's too much risk for you in a window like that to do stock investing. I mean, you could do a very, very conservative stock fund that would, uh, or mutual fund that would have stocks and other things in it that lower the risk, but you're still mm-hmm. going to be in something where you could potentially, in a five-year window, lose some of your money. And as hard as it is to see that you're only earning half a percent or a percent of interest, I'd rather you do that than be in a position where you work so hard to save more than $100,000 towards down payment on a home and see part of it eroded away by the temporary whims of investments. So I think you just keep it simple with the savings and build the money. But there's something else as well. You also need to be saving for retirement. And I don't want you to exclude that because in your 20s, every dollar saved for retirement in a Roth IRA or an employer 401k magnifies impact so much for you over the many decades till you'd be prepared for retirement. Glad you're with us here on the Clark Howard Show where it's about you learning ways to keep more of what you have. Our websites, clark.com and clarkdeals.com. Because of the economic impact of coronavirus, a lot of state budgets have really taken it on the chin. The good news, there is good news here, that after brutal budget shortfalls because of tax collections in April, May, and part of June, state budgets have started to recover in July and through August, and tax collections have come to a point where they are way up from the historical unbelievable lows that occurred early in coronavirus as people have reduced activity but nothing like the reduced activity of earlier this year so state budgets that looked back in late spring like they were going to face armageddon for the most part are back from Armageddon, but still not especially healthy. The result is, and all states are not equal, the result is that some states are going to face uh, potential of a double whammy, tax increases and reduced services in the states. Others may trim a little here or there, but should not need tax increases and may have minor reductions in services. A lot of it is based on the condition the states were in financially going into coronavirus, and there are some states that, regardless of the health they were in 
going into coronavirus because of the severity of coronavirus where they were. They have suffered great impact. But as I tell you, the states that are in the best financial shape at this point, if you're from any of these states, you know that for the most part, these are states that have handled finances very well historically and were in a position to handle coronavirus. So the states that are in the best shape, according to a report in Barron's Magazine, number one, Idaho, number two, Wyoming, three, South Dakota, four, Utah, five, Nebraska, six, North Dakota, seven, Tennessee, eight, Iowa, nine, Virginia, and 10, Minnesota. And so uh, you see the big concentration of states in the Great Plains and the Mountain West in that list, but then some states that don't fit that at all, uh, Minnesota and Virginia and Tennessee, not part of, obviously, the Great Plains or the Mountain West. The states in the most trouble that face both problems on the tax side and the service side in the worst shape of anybody pre-coronavirus and in coronavirus the champion the state of illinois is in just a world of hurt and trouble followed by new jersey kentucky pennsylvania rhode island connecticut louisiana west virginia mississippi and Kansas. The interesting thing about the states that are in trouble is they're scattered around the country. They're, there's no real pattern in terms of geography with them. It's things unique to those states. The other 30 states are somewhere in the middle in terms of their overall financial health. And if you want to see the full list Oh, no, I can't even direct you to it because Barron's does not allow anybody but subscribers to see their list. But the thing is, is that if you pay attention to local news, you'll you'll hear, read, or see stuff about the hardships that states may be facing budget-wise and what kind of things they're going to try to do to right the ship of the state budget and make it ship shape again. But again, general pattern, the states that are careful with their money going into coronavirus are the ones that are going to have the easiest time coming out of coronavirus. And obviously, the ones like Illinois that had been reckless with their budgeting and spending prior to coronavirus have the deepest hole to dig out of, and the taxpayers will feel that. It's time for your questions for me that you posted at clark.com slash ask. Producers Kim and Joel alternate. Whose turn is it? All right, I'm up Clark, and Adam in North Carolina has a question. He says, I recently bought a new home, and I chose not to escrow. So should I pay my tax bill now or wait until the due date early next year in order to pay? It's about a $3,000 bill. So the reason you would pay early is in some jurisdictions, you get an early payment discount. And if you have an early payment discount where you live, then that would be worth taking advantage of. If you're not familiar with this, if it's something you don't have where you live, uh, some jurisdictions give you starting 
six months before the final date of a tax bill being due for property, they give you a discount that increases each month earlier than the original payment date or some formula similar to that. So if you're offered any kind of early payment discount, particularly when savings earn basically 0% now, pay it early. Otherwise, there's no real advantage to you paying early and wait till it's really due. Kim? Roma in North Carolina says, I'll turn 50 in a couple of months, and I'm wondering if I should join AARP. Are the benefits worth the cost? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, there are people who don't want to join AARP because of their political arm. But if you want to get the discounts, it costs like nothing to join AARP. And I have a little secret for you. People under age 50 can typically join AARP. They don't make you prove you're 50 or older. And you could be a very young person getting AARP discounts. But they are designed for people 50 or over who do join AARP. And there are a number of discounts that are well worth it. One of the most popular of them is Consumer Cellular, which is the nation's highest rated cell phone provider who provides a discount to AARP members is just one example. Joel? Clark Stephen in Connecticut says, I'm looking at a new car. I have $75,000 in cash in the bank, not including investments or 401k. Uh, the car that I'm looking at is $41,000 with a 0% loan from the dealer or $38,000 if I pay in cash. cash. So should I take out a loan and invest the money and make payments even though the car is going to cost $3,000 more? Wait, so you can pay thirty-eight and pay cash, or forty-one and take out a loan that you don't need. Exactly. Pay the thirty-eight in cash and call it a day. I mean, that's awesome, and then you're not having to worry about payments you don't need to make. You've got the cash sitting there, earning basically nothing. Get your three thousand dollar upfront discount and smile all the way to the dealership, or really home from the dealership. Kim? (laughs) Paul in California says, Hi Clark, I recently heard a financial advisor mention that individuals should open a personal line of credit prior to needing it, as banks are less likely to lend you money when you actually need the money. Is this still a good idea? Specifically, are there any drawbacks to having access to money, even if you don't intend to use it? Wonderful question. And if you own a home and you can set up a a low cost or no cost home equity line of credit, a HELOC, I think it's a good thing to do because if you did all of a sudden face a severe hardship or financial problem, it is a potential ready source of money. If on the other hand, you wait till you have hardship and you want to apply for a HELOC, you're likely not to be approved for one right when you really need it. Uh, It's like an inexpensive insurance policy. Now, you ask what the disadvantage would be, and this is the most common way that people have a line of credit. The big disadvantage is that it can sit there as a temptation for someone. If you would tend to, knowing that line was available, be more careless with spending money and and just put a debt against your home, then don't do it. Don't set up the home equity line of credit. Because remember, it's raising the stakes of finances in your life because you're taking debt against your home 
reducing the equity in your home, creating more risk in your life. So it's all about uh, your personal makeup, your personal psychology. If money's available to borrow, you borrow it, then don't do it. If you're not going to be that kind of person and you could have that as an emergency available fund only, then set up a line of credit ahead of time before trouble might strike. Joel? Clark Howard in Oklahoma says, I got a car. Got a great name. Yeah, right. <laughs> he says, I got a car wrap ad offering to pay me to let them put a sign on my car. Is this legitimate or is it a scam? So car wrapping has been on our radar for 22 years now. It, was, it first came out in the late 90s. And there were a number of companies legitimately doing car wrapping a generation ago that all went bust. And as far as today, the odds that somebody is offering you a legitimate opportunity to make money having your vehicle wrapped, the odds are teensy tiny. It's possible, but extremely unlikely. Be on the lookout for anybody who says something like they need your checking account number to deposit your money into, or you need to pay some kind of deposit for having your vehicle wrapped. In other words, know that almost always this is a scam. So be on the lookout for any possible way somebody may be trying to take advantage of you. Car wrapping is something businesses do all the time, more on trucks, delivery vehicles, things like that, is rolling advertising for their business. Paying you as an individual unconnected to a business to have your vehicle wrapped with advertising, very unlikely today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget, giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Josh joins us on the Clark Howard Show. And Josh, you are at a decision tree moment with your money. What's going on? Yeah, thank you, Clark. Um, just wanted to say thank you for, for having me on the show. I've Certainly. been a longtime listener and you know, really appreciate everything you and your team have done for me and my family. Thank you for that. So what's your scoop financially? Yeah, so, uh, you know, I, you know, I was listening to one of your, your, your recent K... Um, the uh, K economy. That, uh, you know, economists love to try to distill the direction of the economy down into different letters like U and V and W... And this time they're talking K, meaning that we have a split in the recession that we're in that is one that it may be unprecedented that we have a circumstance where roughly a third of Americans have stayed fully employed through the downturn that started in March and 
have less places to spend money on and have been able to pay down debt and reduce expenses and financially suddenly have uh, more money on hand than they're used to, then roughly another uh, 25% of people, somewhere approximately around that number, have been brutally impacted with job loss and uh, terrible, terrible financial circumstances. And then maybe the other plurality of people are just kind of muddling through. So where are you in that K? Yeah, yeah, no, thank you. So, so luckily, we've been able to to save a little bit of extra cash. Uh, we, we've we've continued to uh, be employed. We've worked, uh, you know, remotely from home, and uh, and and because of that, we've actually been able to save, uh, you know, upwards of, of uh, fifteen thousand dollars over the last six months. Fantastic. Um, you know, this... <laughs> so, do you have some yeah. goals for that fifteen thousand? Is there anything that you want to try to accomplish? in the next, let's say, uh, three years that you'd like to do? So, you know, currently right now, I, I don't have uh, any goals, and that's kind of why I wanted to, to pick your brain a little bit about how, how I should uh, either better investment or invest it and, uh, and, and you know, use that money um, to, to kind of help build us more wealth. And uh, do you, you know, own your own I, home? I do own a home. Um, I have no debt. Uh, thankfully, uh, you know, listening to your show, we've been we've been blessed with not having uh, any debt by following a, a lot of your, you know, your your, your rules. So we we've uh, been blessed in that sense as wow. well. Well, that's awesome. So I, do you have a Roth IRA? Each of you? We do. So my my wife and I we both um, contribute fully to the Roth IRA, and uh, we also continue continue to to um, contribute to our four hundred one k as well. And in addition to that, we also have uh, our, our employers, both of our employers are, are offering a uh, cash balance pension plan as well. So we've, we've definitely done, done pretty well in the, in the sense of uh, retirement. Wow. Um, plan. All right. Do like either to... of you have access to an HSA? HSA, uh, yes, actually, we, we both do have access to an HSA. All right. So if you did an HSA and you contribute the max to it, it's the best place to stash cash that exists for an income earner in the United States. Okay. So are you in an HSA eligible health plan right now or no? Right now I'm not. However, I do have open enrollment coming up, uh, you know, probably sometime in October or November timeframe. And how's each of your health? Because if you have any pre-existing conditions or anything that requires uh, regular medical visits, a recommendation of you going into an HSA eligible health plan would be a terrible suggestion on my part. No, we've we've done pretty well health wise as well. So so thankfully, you know, we're we're um, you know fairly young and and haven't had any complications or, or any uh, family history of, uh, of of health issues. So we're we're All right. So let me tell you that. why the HSA is such a cool place for you to stash cash because you put it in, you get a tax benefit up front. Then the money grows tax-free through the years. You can even invest it kind of like you do in a Roth IRA. And if you just let that money continue to build over the years and every year you're HSA eligible, you give the max into it and let it keep growing, it becomes a key tool in retirement because you just let the money continue to grow, pay any current medical expenses out of pocket, and then you can spend that money 
tax-free all the earnings, everything it's gained over the years on eligible medical expenses when you retire. It's a tremendous long-term benefit. Now, that would be one route. The other thing is eventually vehicles need replacing. And you could just keep building up a stash of cash. And when it comes time for a next vehicle purchase, pay cash. Okay. And, I mean, that's the simplest answer. The HSA, the most complicated. But both really benefit you because you have ultimate choices because you're living substantially on less than what you make. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. Thanks for joining us today. The Clark Howard Show is produced by Kim Drobes, Joel Larsgaard, Deborah Reese, and Jim Ayers. And remember, 24 hours a day, we're there to serve you at Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com.